For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We have a lot going on today for this episode of What the Fantasy. Tom Guzlowski is currently in full dad mode with baby Rex. Kyle Ray is getting ready for Duke, Michigan State. By the time you listen to this podcast, you probably know who's going to win that game or who won that game. Kyle has no idea, but obviously he's pulling for the Spartans. And I just get a head nod on that. Okay, he's really fired up. (laughs) Give Kyle a follow for all of your Michigan State and fantasy football content at RayRay8134. You can follow Tom Gozlowski of ESPN Radio, 104.5 The Team at Tom. T-O-M-G-O-Z-Z. Follow the podcast at what the underscore fantasy. Boys. Rex, you're not on his Twitter yet. It got, yeah, Rex, he's, he's not on there yet. Soon to be, though. Guys, this was one of the most insane weekends in college, in college football. I don't even know what's going on in college football. One of the most insane weekends in the NFL that had nothing to do with what happened on the field. That Saturday, prior to week 12, Absolutely bonkers. Let me just give you a rundown. First, uh, the Ravens and COVID. Uh, That list was growing faster than the Kardashian family. Uh, The Lions fired their GM and head coach. Sorry, Matt Patricia. Shout out to RPI. Go Engineers. About time that happened. Yeah, no surprise there with how bad uh, that team has been. Uh, The 49ers became homeless, really living up to the San Francisco name, even though they're in Santa Clara, whatever. And then the Broncos had no quarterbacks. Literally Literally. not. All their quarterbacks gone because they went on the COVID reserve list. (laughs) Absolutely insane. Somehow a coach getting fired and a GM getting fired were like, I don't care. Let me deal with that later. Like, no one was talking about that. It was everything else that was going on. Wasn't it the most insane week we've had all year? Like, I feel like the bar continues to be raised every week. Like, we're not going to have fans in the stands. That's insane. We're going to change the schedule. That's great. Week 12, like, and it was all in one day. All that happened in one day. And of the craziest of the whole things, the Broncos one is the most insane. And I will fully admit, I thought Hinton could at least be potentially, as a quarterback with wide receiver eligibility, maybe give you, like, a double-digit performance. If he had thrown one touchdown pass, and threw for 90 yards, or maybe they just ran a wildcat. He could have been a double-digit score. Woof. How about if you started in two QB leagues? I had this actually happen in one league. I started Cam Newton, Jared Goff, and Hinton. They had negative points combined. Three quarterbacks, negative points. Oh, that hurts. That hurts. And I, I felt so bad if we started with Hinton. I just – I felt bad. And I, I'm glad I wasn't the only one because we live in such a toxic world, especially Twitter. I didn't really see anybody bashing him, and he, he didn't deserve it because the situation that poor guy was put in. For people that don't know, he played college quarterback for a hot minute in college. 
but he's a practice squad wide receiver who found out on Saturday he's going up, not only going to start a game at quarterback, the toughest position in literally all of sports, he was going up against the Saints defense, which is one of the top defenses in the league. Like, the poor kid was doomed to fail, and he was filling in on an offense that already stinks. Even the guys who actually play quarterback are not playing well for the Broncos. So it was just like I was watching it. I literally just wanted it to end, you know, like – and I'm glad the Saints, like, they ran it a lot, and it was a quick game. But, like, every possession, I was just like, oh. And I, the one thing I hope people realize now is maybe they appreciate quarterbacks more. Like, we knew it was hard, but those kids out there and those guys – who are, you know, oh, back in my day, or, oh, I should have been drafted. I was – I threw for 4,000 yards in peewee. <laughs> like, those idiots. Like, no, you cannot do what these guys do. Well, then you got the people of the world like Jerry Jones who comes out and says, oh, I, I don't feel any sympathy for them. I had a similar – get out of here, Jerry. Go away, please. Shut the hell up, man. Completely different scenarios. <laughs> that one irritated me today. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of shade thrown at there. Uh, was, is is oh. he a rookie, the guy that they threw in? Denucci? Denucci? Denucci. Denucci. Yeah, I almost, I almost said De Niro. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Robert De Niro, De Niro might have had better luck uh, filling in. Um, but yeah, obviously just a brutal situation. Um, I hope every team learned from it. And, like, you got to, like, maybe even just separate your quarterback room. Like – put the starter and the third string together and put the backup and the fourth string together. Make sure they're well, never in the same room. They never eat together. They never talk. Like, separate so that never happens again. Wouldn't this have not been that big of an issue if they were just wearing masks? Yeah. yeah. They weren't wearing their masks. Just wear your damn mask, boys. Wasn't it? Was it because they, were, they didn't wear their masks because they were eating? Is that what it was? They are having lunch? I, I don't remember. I just know that there was – uh, photography that had them without their masks on. Absolutely. Here, here's the thing, too, about the Bronco thing, because, like, what happened there could potentially happen in other games this season, maybe playoff games this season. Like, that became something we hadn't seen before but could see again. The important thing is that, like, if you're a Bronco fan, you're probably ticked off because you're like, wait a second, wait a second. Monday, everybody tested negative. Tuesday, everybody tested negative. I'm talking just the quarterbacks. So, like, if you had just given us a day, we could have played the game with a quarterback. Now, yep. here's the comparison I've used, though. It's like we've all gone to a test, right? Let's say we're in college and we have a test at 9 a.m. And we decide to show up for the test at 9.30 and said, whoa, you didn't move the test for me? Well, hang on, that's on you. Like, you didn't follow the rules. You tried to set your own rules. You were careless. You didn't respect the rules. And he said, why didn't you accommodate me? That's what the NFL looked and said. Here are the rules. You didn't follow them. Why should you be rewarded for breaking rules? Right. They're, they're clearly making an example out of Denver. Hopefully the entire league has taken notice of that. Um, quickly on the other things, uh, 49ers are now going to be playing in Arizona for a couple of weeks for their home games because of Santa Clara's uh, new COVID restrictions. So that one's not a huge deal. There's no fantasy implication, in my opinion. I guess now they'll be playing on turf, right? Um, but mm -hmm. that doesn't really change anything. There's no home field advantage anyway at this point uh, with, without fans uh, in the stands. The Lions one, uh, have they named who the interim is going to be? I actually didn't see that. Uh, yeah, I saw it somewhere. Daryl Bevel? Okay. Something like that. 
who, who, by the way, the only thing you can hope is that he tries to feed DeAndre Swift if you have any investments in him. And because for him, that's an audition. Like you got to go out there and show. It's happened before where guys have come in and won some games, and you never know what could happen for your careers. So hopefully, they're going to still try to win some ball games. Uh, the Ravens Steelers. Uh, what a what a bizarre situation this has been, where it's been postponed three times. This game was supposed to be played on Thanksgiving. We're now on a Tuesday night, and the game still hasn't played. It's now been pushed to a random 3:40 kickoff because apparently Americans care more about a Christmas tree than a football game. Uh, it's it looks like it will be played despite all of these positive cases for Baltimore. James Conner is out for the Steelers. I guess first, first and foremost, how do you think this should be handled from a fantasy perspective where the week is still going on, it looks like the game's going to be played, but people had to make lineup decisions on Sunday, really not knowing if the game was going to be played. We've been here kind of before earlier in the year where we had to make that judgment call on a couple of those COVID games where I think this is still the best way to handle it. You have to give those guys the option of if this game gets canceled on Tuesday night, these are my subs. I've, I've predetermined that if, if Big Ben can't play, I'm starting Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's on, my, he's on my team. He's on my bench. No matter how good or how bad, he's my replacement. You guys agree? I do, but as of we're taping, and maybe you guys have more info than me, do we know if Ingram or Dobbins or Jackson, do we actually know who's going on the field? Because at this point, I hadn't even read, like, well, Jackson's going to be the quarterback. Wait, 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 wait. He had COVID. I thought it was a 10-day wait period. Same with Ingram. Same with Dobbins. Like, these guys you may have wanted to play anyways. I've got no word they're officially out yet. So, a lot of the replacements you likely would have used aren't going to play. But when it comes to handling it and the substitutions in leagues, I think you're totally right. It is just an easy submission to the commissioner or an easy submission to the overall message board. And if someone in your league complains about the sub, tell them, what am I supposed to do? I didn't, get, you know, I didn't change the game. That's the best way to handle it this year for teams. From uh, from Ian Rappaport, this is from yesterday. So I mean, this is as outdated as can be with how the COVID world works. But uh, according to him, the Ravens Steelers play on Wednesday. Baltimore will be missing twelve active players, including Lamar. He he got COVID, so he's definitely out. But according to Ian Rappaport, uh, Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins will be eligible to play thanks to that change. Because they didn't get COVID, they were just in, on the COVID reserve, and now it has to be, I believe, five days of negative tests before you can return to your team. So because of that change, uh, sorry for everyone who wanted to throw out Gus Edwards. It might not be uh, as good of a play this week anymore if those guys are back. But uh, I guess RG3. We see if, if RG3 has anything – oh, Kyle's already shaking it. <laughs> You're, you're, you're anti-RG3. We've seen him in, like, some mop-up duty role, and it, it hasn't looked great. Granted, it was, like, mop-up, and it was a lot of handoffs. But at least he's had some time. You know what I mean? Like, compared to the, the Broncos situation, I mean, this is completely different worlds of situation. But at least RG3 has known since Saturday, right, if this game is played, I'm going to have to go because Lamar is not coming out of that locker room at any time this week. The only thing that you worry about with RG3, and that's kind of why I do that, is that – team already can't throw their wide their receiving core is weak and RG3 has a probably has a bum knee let's just call it that because it's not anywhere as what it used to be so you're literally taking away you're maybe getting an upgrade on the passing game but I don't know I wouldn't say you would and you're literally got going away from zero runs so 
I, I hate RG3 this week, <laughs> especially going against that defense. I thought, that, I thought that sentence was just going to end with, I hate RG3. I'm like, what? <laughs> Baylor, like, dropped 60 on Michigan State a few years ago? What happened? Just this oh, I don't I, the, the only one I remember is the Cotton Bowl comeback. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, back when RG3 was good. Um, there are a ton of backup quarterback situations. And I, I, I went game by game. I did not realize there was this many that are, that are going on. So these are guys that – Going into this week, which pivotal week 13 for fantasy football, likely the end of your regular season, maybe the penultimate uh, of your regular season, but we're getting, it's crunch time. This is it. Like this is go when you're in big time. These are the quarterback situations. I want you guys to tell me how you feel. Maybe like you're what you feel best, most comfortable with this quarterback situation in terms of fantasy and the one where you're like, I'm out. I want nothing to do with this backup quarterback leading my fantasy team. Not just like starting him, the guys around him as well, okay? Like the whole offensive situation. So we got Alex Smith in Washington, Andy Dalton in Dallas. Looks like probably Colt McCoy for the Giants this week if, if Danny Dimes can't play. Brandon Allen in Cincinnati. Ryan Fitzpatrick in Miami. We'll see what happens with Tua's thumb this week. Mike Lennon with the Jaguars. Taysom Hill with the Saints. Nick Mullins with the 49ers. Mitch Trubisky, I guess we're calling him a backup now for the Bears. And then RG3 for the Ravens, potentially two starts. I'm not sure exactly what the timeline will be for Lamar. But how ridiculous is that? How many was that? I believe 11. One. Holy cow. That's a third of the league. That's a third of the league. Ten, you on. ten on the dot. Ten on the dot. Because I believe Drew Locke, those quarterbacks in Denver got the clear to come back. So it looks like Drew Locke will probably play this week. But that's insane. That's my, if, if my math is correct, so you got about 11 quarterbacks there. Let's say you play in a 14-team league or a 12-team league. That means, what, about half that list might be rostered? If you're just playing with a back – so half that list is actually on fantasy football rosters right now going into week 13. Yep, exactly. And going into week 13, the Buccaneers are on a bye. And aren't the – who else? Is someone else in the NFC South? Panthers? I believe Panthers. Yes, it is the Panthers. Yeah, it's the Panthers. Right. And those are two fantasy-relevant guys with Tom Brady and Teddy Bridgewater. So you're looking at this, you might have to play one of those guys. So let's start with that. Of those, if you had to play one of these guys, and we're not looking at matchups right now, from a fantasy perspective, who gives you any sort of confidence that this guy can go out and get it done? Uh, There's a couple that jump off the page to me. One is Fitzy, because he's actually sure. played, he's played well. He's been consistent. The, all of these guys, all of these guys have a risk of putting up a dud, right? Like you, we're waiting for the four interception Fitzy game where it's going to be an absolute disaster. I like Fitzy because I like the offense. He's got Devontae Parker's been playing really well. Mike Gusecki's been playing well recently. So I look at Fitzy and then Taysom Hill because he can run, right? Like those are guys that – and it, it's an incompetent offense that has good weapons around him. So those are the two guys that like if I had to play one, those are the ones I probably feel most excited, if that's the right word. Because I don't know if, if I'm look if I'm looking at outside of those two, because those are the those are the two that I think you say, yeah, I've got some pretty decent confidence in them. I think the other one, other one that I would have some confidence in is Glennon. Uh, ironically, um, I don't hate the back end of his schedule. I mean, the the defenses there scare you a little bit, but 
I mean, he got the job done last week, and he looked decent um, against Cleveland. You got minute. You got um, Minnesota next week, followed by Tennessee, then Baltimore, then Chicago. Um, obviously, you don't love the Baltimore matchup, but you don't mind the next two. Um, and at the end of the day, he's got weapons around him. Chark's been playing very well. Um, you know, you got Robinson, who's going to carry the load there for you a little bit to open up the passing game. I don't hate Glennon, but obviously, it's one of those. Hey, I'm down a quarterback. I need I need that backup. I almost, I almost thought you were saying that Allen Robinson was still a Jaguar, but you're talking about – I was like, God, you're a few years behind, buddy. Oops. I, uh, I agree with all three of those for Fitzpatrick. The key is not to turn over the football, and he'll put up some decent numbers for you. Taysom Hill, let's just be real with Taysom Hill. Is. Isn't he just a running back with quarterback eligibility? So that's what he like – he's not putting up passing yards. He's getting the goal line rushing touchdowns. And I feel for fantasy managers like you, Chet, I believe you're an Alvin Kamara – fan and you've gone back-to-back weeks with the nonsense of hill and then latavius murray onondaga high school zone latavius murray yeah with those like yeah like it's ridiculous that he's stealing those touchdowns like he's basically just a running back the glennon thing he has had a bizarre career hasn't he like twice it was talked about him being the starter i think the bears paid him like over 10 million dollars years ago to be the guy and he never got the spot and then there was rumors of the jets he must be horrendous in practice that he can never get on the field. And Mike Glenn, I'm totally with Kyle on this. He'd be my third option, but let's promise this. He is never allowed to scramble out of the pocket again. He looks like a baby giraffe learning how to walk. <laughs> Mike, what, what, that should be on national geographic watching Mike Glennon run out of the pocket. I love it. I love it. And it's funny. The second that I found out he was starting, my brother and I for years have said that Mike Glennon, Got uh, didn't get enough of a chance in his career because he didn't he did he start with the Bucks? Is that where it began? He did. He did start with the Bucks. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It was a bad team, and he was okay. And then he kind of just like got thrown into some weird situations, like you said. You do the map of his career; it's uh, it's insane. But I'm glad he's finally getting another chance. Uh, I think he actually could play some pretty solid quarterback. All right. So what about the situation where you want nothing to do with it? Not only the quarterback but everyone around him in week 13. And there's one that I have three guys that I, uh, I, I kind of highlighted that I, I don't feel good about. One for me is, is Colt McCoy. Oh, I, I want, I agreed. want, none, I want none of that. And everyone around him is now going to get, in my opinion, downgraded. I, I don't feel good about Evan Ingram. I don't feel good about Golden Tate. I don't feel good about Darius Slayton. Wayne Gallman. I, I might be high on because they're going to end off a lot. But just seeing him, for a, for a veteran like him to come in, and it, it did not look good when he filled in for Danny Dimes. Like, it, it did not look good at all. So, yeah, that's the one where I'm, I'm probably staying away from the most. I'm, I, go ahead, guys. Uh, I'm staying away from Allen still. Um, yep, he was my second guy that I had highlighted. Yeah, I'm not going to steal number one. I think number one is McCoy. Stay away from him. But, um, yeah, you got Miami, you got a reprieve in Dallas, but then you got Pitt. No, thanks. I'm good. Um, you have T. Higgins. A.J. Green has been a massive disappointment this year. Um, they literally uh, Tyler, did. Use- Tyler Boyd, who, who almost had a big touchdown, but I think it got, I don't know if it was interference or something. Yeah, he had an end zone target. He almost came up with it, but he had a disappointing week as well. Yeah, they, they just don't balance the offense well because it was the Joe Burrow show and they prayed that they opened up a hole in the running game because everybody was playing the pass. So 
Yeah, I don't like Brian Allen. Brandon, Brandon Allen. I think I've been calling him Brian. Brandon Allen either. I agree with both of you guys. I'll just add these two quick things on that. The McCoy thing. Let's not forget. Remember, Seattle's defense was historically pacing to be one of the worst defenses ever. They were so bad. And they make that trade, and it's an interesting connection here. They make a trade with the Bengals to get Carlos Dunlap. Now, Dunlap has not been like Lawrence Taylor body stretching the imagination, but it's like once they made that move, I don't know if it ticked people off where it's like, oh, wow, like I might lose my starting spot. Something happened in the Rams game where they've been a completely different defense ever since. Jamal Adams helps, but like that defense went from historically bad to, oh, the Seahawks are back. Mm-hmm. Back to the Bengals thing. I sat T. Higgins last week. I know he got in the end zone, but I'm like, I can't trust the matchup. I know the Giants are bad, but I don't know if Allen's going to get out there. The Bengals got in because they ran back the longest kick in the history of their franchise, longest play in the history of the Bengals, and they had a drive where they scored with less than, what, four minutes to go? So I don't – usually you'd want to take a quarterback on a bad team hoping you'd get garbage points in the second half. He's just flat out bad, and he's barely in the league because, like Chet just said, Joe Burrow's their franchise. They don't even want anybody threatening to take his spot. It was a perfect situation with Burrow because – so there's a couple ways to look at picking guys in fantasy that you're confident in. You want either the high-powered offense that's going to score a bunch of points, a la the Kansas City Chiefs, or you want a team that's going to be trailing and there's going to be a lot of garbage time, but they can move the ball. And that's what you had with Joe Burrow. It was a bad – it's a bad team. Every fourth quarter, they're going to have to sling it. And that's where guys like T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, Giovanni Bernard, they're, like, they're going to get a bunch of touches because they're going to have to. But now you just have a bad team with a, a bad quarterback, a bad NFL quarterback. I don't want to just you know, – crap mm-hmm. on Brandon Allen, but like it is what it is. He's not Joe Burrow. So now you're just going to be trailing and it's just, it's not going to be pretty because you're not going to move the ball as well. Yeah. The other name that I'm going to stay away from, we already touched on it, Kyle especially, is is RG3. If RG3 has to play two games, you, you already didn't have confidence starting the majority of the Ravens players. The only one you was a consistent starter was it was Lamar and Mark Andrews, right? The running backs, it was take a flyer, whoever's going to have a big week. Hollywood Brown, you could drop at this point, is what it is. Like, he, you cannot play Hollywood Brown. Willie Sneed? Like, Des Bryant? Like, no. No, 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 no. Especially with RG3. And Mark Andrews has COVID, right? So, there's nobody. There's no one on that offense that, unless you have to play a second quarterback, maybe RG3 can run. I, I don't know. Kyle's pretty anti him running anymore. I don't know. I, I completely stay away from that offense, in my opinion. Yeah, we all have bad knees. Um, <laughs> and of course, as, as fantasy managers, we would never, ever root for an injury, right? Like, I mean, just such a taboo thing. I would never root for a guy to just get, a, you know, banged up on a plate. Never. I have a new strategy. Uh, I'm not, not going to root for injuries. I'm going to root for drugs. And I'm talking about Will Fuller. What a bomb that was, that Will Fuller is going to miss the rest of the season. The guy who's coming off his best game of the year, six for 171 and two touchdowns on Turkey Day, gets popped for PEDs. He's done. Massive fantasy implications. Obviously, you don't have him anymore. He's gone. Um, So what do you guys think? Do you like that new strategy? No longer rooting for the sprained ankle, stub toe, broken pinky. I'm just going to root for, you know, hopefully they find that he did drugs. <laughs> I think more fantasy managers should be like you, Chet. And when they have to play against Fuller or someone in their league has Fuller, that they should call the NFL and demand drug tests. 
How dare Will Fuller have that good of a game? I want him drug tested. That's what you just said, and I also agree. Just go, let's, just go, let's just go full NBA bubble, and we have snitches everywhere. Yes. <laughs> the biggest threat in my league. I'm just going to follow around his star player. i been like, I just saw Alvin Kamara smoke a joint. I saw it. Drug test him. Get him. Get him. Will Fuller the fifth. I know it's you. Not the fourth or the third. It's the fifth. I know it's you. You know what? Maybe just take it a step further. Maybe I was the one that sprinkled a little PED into that milkshake, you know? There's a little steroid for you. Here's a little steroid for you. Uh, I'm just kidding, NFL. Anybody that's listening, I did not do that. I promise. Um, or somebody else. But Yeah, exactly. So the ripple effect, uh, obviously the stock falls for Deshaun, right? Where you're probably still going to play him if he's your number one quarterback. Like, even though he just lost his number one weapon, his best deep threat, he's still good enough. Uh, where you're gonna have to play him, but what about what about guys like now Brandon Cooks, who's been having a pretty solid year for the Texans? Brandon Cooks, Kiki Cutie, Duke Johnson. Do you think those all all those guys get a little bit of a bump now that Fuller's out of the picture? You would. I I think it's really intriguing that you mentioned Kiki Cutie because there's there's always been a lot of hype. There's a lot of hype around him this year coming into the year, and I believe he got hurt early on. But um, that's a guy that I think, especially in keeper leagues, you know, what does this do to Will Fuller, I mean, I wouldn't think the Texans would move on from Fuller because of PED usage, but um, I also don't know where his contract is. But Kiki Cutie, I think, could be an intriguing play going into the playoffs, especially if you do have some of those Texans players. Um, You would think Deshaun would go down, but um, with Kiki, if he gets into that number two role, um, Brandon Cook, I I would think it would obtain the number one role. Um, I think Kiki could play a decent factor in that offense. Am I the only one when you hear that name, you just sing in your head? Kiki, do you love me? I'm lying. I don't sing it in my head. I definitely say it out loud on the couch every Sunday, and my fiancé gives me a death stare every time. I'll be overly dramatic, but I actually think this is true. If you have Wolf Fuller or Deshaun Watson, you're done in fantasy. Like, it's over. Your season's done. Uh, If you're a good team, you've got to have some serious depth. We'll bring oh, that back again. Oh, is, is depth important in fantasy? What? The issue with Watson and Fuller, because think about it, right? If Fuller's on your team, he's more than likely your number one wide receiver this season. Yep. And if you've got Sean Watson because he's your quarterback, he's your number one scoring quarterback. So within a span of one week, you lost production from your number one wide receiver and quarterback and not because of an injury. So, look, Cooks is good. Kiki, do you love me? He's a nice player. But they're just not as good as Will Fuller. So that's like the fear, right, where it's like, okay, from a game plan standpoint, you hope you get the same production. But from a fantasy standpoint, it's really tough. Like we've had this conversation earlier this year about running backs. It would have been nice if Wayne Gallman put up Saquon numbers or Mike Davis put up McCaffrey numbers. It's just not going to happen. Gallman's got in the end zone, but you're just not going to have it happen. I'd be stunned if Watson or third-string Texan wide receiver teams go deep in the playoffs. Oh, you ended that at the perfect time because I just pulled up the stats for Brandon Cooks. Uh, back-to-back 85 receiving yards. He's had three of his last four games over 10 points and half PPR. Uh, he's got three touchdowns receiving on the year. I think he's a guy – he's the one where I would be like, okay, he's bumping up my board. He might have been like your flex play, and now you're, you're just more confident because the targets are going to go up. They're probably still going to be trailing a lot of games. Deshaun's still a great quarterback. He's going to have to throw it around a lot. And, like, 
we talk about this at times as well, where it's like, it's not always great to lose your number one because now the number two wide receiver gets number one treatment. But I think Brandon Cooks is different enough from Will Fuller that they can still find a way to put him in the slot. Find, he's shifty enough where he can do different things that it's not going to be as big of an issue, in my opinion, um, losing a guy like Will Fuller for Brandon Cooks' production. Um, here's another thing that I wonder about rooting for, because we, we root against injuries. It's really bad. Uh, we root for PEDs. This is a weird one. And I talked about this with Kyle already. Guys, do you ever do you ever root for one of your players to just like stop scoring? Like, let's say you you've won a game, you're already up, you've secured the victory, you're up by 40, and like your guy's having a good game. One of your players is having a great game. But then it becomes like so insanely good that you're like, dude, save it for next week, save it for the rest of the season. And I'm like talking about like the law of averages, right? Like the, the regression to the mean of like, and I'm talking about Tyreek Hill, if you have not figured this out yet. <laughs> had an absolutely insane game for the ages, 13 catches for 269 yards and three touchdowns. Do you know what I'm talking about though? Where you're like, I hey, totally got me 30? please relax and don't get A, hurt, and B, save some production for next week. So I won a championship in 2017 in one of these leagues, and what happened was, like the longest league I've been playing in, is that in week 13, I was battling with another team for a playoff spot. It ended up being one of the top 10 highest scoring games in our league's history. I lost. But I remember thinking, okay, I'm kind of glad my team didn't play great. But the weird twist is that I played that same team the next week in the playoffs. So I was rooting for him to destroy me because I'm like, get it all out of your system now. Because like you just said, Chet, scouting report gets out there, coverages, schemes. They don't want to make the same mistake one week that they team made the previous week. So I totally get what that's like. It's Here's a fun part about this. If you don't play fantasy football, if you've got relatives or friends who don't play, that's one of the hardest things to ever explain to them what we're just talking about right now. That is a high-level fantasy conversation. of We want our guys to do as best as possible but not too good, especially in November and December. Because there's just, there's just no way that Tyreek can do that again. And there's, like, there's no law that says he, he won't. But like, those games just don't happen very often. We saw it a month ago with Tyler Lockett, where he put up similar type of production. It's just like you, you want that game for a championship. You don't want that game – in a somewhat meaningless, like if you already have secured the bag, you got the win, you're in the playoffs, you're almost upset that you're like, oh, this was the game that he's going to just almost break an NFL record. Which, side note, were either of you guys a little pissed at Andy Reid? Why? Go for the record, bro. Like, they, they got, and just from a strictly game plan perspective, they got way too conservative. Yes. Tampa Bay could not stop Kansas City. And then, of course, Tom Brady gets a couple drives going, gets a few touchdowns. Kansas City almost blew that. And, like, I think Tyreek had 200 yards in the first half, wherever the hell it was. Like, go for the record, man. Go for 340 receiving yards. Because, like, like I was saying, those games are so rare. And for me, like, those are records that are, I think, the coolest. Like, I don't, I don't care who throws the most 400-yard games in a career. Like, that's dumb. I don't, I don't care about that. I care about single game, passing, rushing, and receiving, whether it's touchdowns, yards, or receptions. And those same stats for a season and for a career. 
those are like, those are the ones I care about. I want, I want to see those records get broken at any given time. Right. And so like, I'm to totally with you. Love it. I had no issues. With, I had no issues with Andy Reid's play calling as a Buccaneer fan though. I thought it was fine. <laughs> I thought he did a great job. Just give it there to was Clyde. A, there, fine. Yeah. Like the 200 yards you're talking about, it wasn't just the first half. It was the first quarter. Right. The first quarter he put that up. Now there's a play, I believe later in the second half where he is wide open and Mahomes missed him. And I say wide open, like, it would have been a, just a little dump off, and he would have gone 60 yards with speed. So he got close. I'm okay with it, though. But I get your – like, go for the record. Go for the record. Right. Like, come on, man. Like, especially because it wasn't like they were playing against Jacksonville or, or playing against, you know, Denver with a wide receiver for a quarterback. Like, they were playing against a playoff team where there is a threat of a comeback, and we saw it. It wasn't like you were up by 40. I don't know. I was just like, and that first, because right, it was first quarter. I was like, this is it. We're about to watch history. And then it just became an amazing game that is not going to go into the record books, which could have been, it should have been in the record books. But um, how amazing has Tyreek been? Like, is he, is, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's disrespected because I think he is considered one of the greats in the, in the game right now, but he's never in the conversation of best wide receiver. I think part of that is because he has Patrick Mahomes. So you have the best quarterback going. And he's kind of viewed as a one-trick pony where he's faster than everybody. But do you guys think he's a little disrespected when it comes to the conversation of who's the best wide receiver in the game where his name never really gets thrown into the hat? Uh, I think we had, we had the conversation in the group chat a little bit about, like, why the one thing I don't like about him. But there's always that he's so fast – Everybody has to play off him. So what we're referencing is we had a conversation about uh, Tyreek is great at jumping for the ball. His hands are gold. He's fast. The only thing you don't see from him is consistent route running and how, how good of a crisp route runner he is, whereas everybody else who's in that conversation is they're the, they're the full package. They're fast. They run good routes. They have good hands. They can jump for the ball. So I think that's the only area that it's a question, but – I agree. I do think he is a little bit disrespected because every time you see him, especially in fantasy, you say Tyreek is, is up there, but it's never – Tyreek's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. He's, just, he's a great fantasy production, productive guy, so um, definitely disrespected. Yeah, and the thing with Tyreek Hill, and it's a compliment, but it doesn't come off as one, the other really good wide receivers in the NFL, you can compare someone's game to them, like DK Metcalf. He reminds me of a mix of, like, Ooh, yeah. Calvin Johnson and T.O. Stephon Diggs for Kyle's Buffalo Bills. It kind of reminds me, I know this is a former team, sort of reminds me of Chris Carter from the Vikings. Like, a little bit of that where he can make some plays that are tough and just get the yards that you need and do his – I don't know if I have a great Tyreek Hill comparison. Like, he's way better than Sean Jackson. He's way right. better than a lot of these speed-based wide receivers. Devin Hester wasn't a great wide receiver. He was speed. I think a lot of the hate from Hill comes from, okay, what would you do without Mahomes? Right. I completely – and I think Michael Thomas gets a little bit of that as well, of having you know, the, the accuracy of Drew Brees when healthy. Uh, just for people counting at home, that's now 14 touchdowns for Tyreek in 11 games. Woo! Wow. We will be in our conversation a little teaser for what the fantasy coming in the few weeks of in the MVP most valuable discussion for fantasy this year. Um, We'll say a quick timeout. We're going to have Kyle coming up with some waiver wire ads. And that is my cue for Kyle to start researching his waiver wire ads. <laughs> so, Kyle, stop watching Michigan State and Duke because you just told me it's not going very well. 
who are the guys you're targeting on the waiver wire week as teams get ready for these playoff pushes? All right. So three big players that I'm looking at for this coming week. Kyle, stop looking at the TV. Um, I'm, I'm not. I'm looking right here. Uh-huh. Um, I can see your <laughs> eyes light up when you see the, the Spartans with the ball. Uh-huh. Um, so number one that I'm actually looking at this week um, is Devontae Booker. Obviously, there's some question around Josh Jacobs right now. Um, with the ankle, it didn't look like much originally because he was seen, you know, testing it out on the sidelines, I thought. Hold on. Let's just like the word originally. I think you texted the group, Jacobs just broke his leg. <laughs> and, then, and then we scaled it back a little bit. But I know yes. what you're saying. After the leg was not broken, it's a dollar good bet. Yeah, so that – it, and then I guess um, Gruden came out and said that it was a, a thing for concern, so – Definitely want to keep an eye on that. But Devontae Booker's also had some pretty nice games right. um, out there. He's actually not a bad fill-in because the way the Raiders' offense has been moving, uh, Booker's actually been the guy uh, once every three tries is how the Raiders have played it out. So he's guaranteed some touches. Not a terrible flex play. He gets a lot of targets. Um, uh, and with Jacobs out, he's going to be the guy. So definitely look at adding Devontae Booker, especially as a, as a – um, as a uh, guy that you just want to hold on to in case there is an injury there. Obviously, who, they don't um, running. They do. Who do, the, who do the Raiders play this week? Jets. Uh, the Jets? Oh, yeah. yeah. Go for it. He's a guy that if, – if, if Jacobs is out, I think Booker is a clear RB2 with mm-hmm. upside to RB1, in my opinion. Yep. Even though Jacobs struggled this past week, um, yeah, he's, he's had some explosive plays this year. He's actually been pretty impressive. He looked good. How do you guys approach – when you get to this point of the season, um, you know, some people are more believers than others in having your handcuff, and it depends on the situation and the player and who the backup is. When you get at this point of the season, are you starting to just pick up your handcuffs as, like, my team is pretty much set? Like, I'm, I don't think we're going to see too many players break out in week 13 that we haven't seen yet, right? So, like, how many of those guys are going to pop up on the waiver, or should you be more looking at, Okay, I want my bench. Like, in case Dalvin gets – you should already have um, Madison on your team. I'm just going to use him for this example of, like, okay, I have Dalvin. If he gets hurt, I need to guarantee that my handcuff is here. If Jacobs gets hurt, if James Conner gets COVID, like, do you guys start looking at it as I need to make sure all of my, my, my top two running backs, both of them, I have the handcuffs ready to go for the playoffs? Love it. Because what's your, what else are you going to use your bench for? Like, this is it. Like, you're setting a lineup for the next two weeks to win a championship. You need to make sure if this guy's gone, I'm not going to miss a beat with backup. Yeah, I think, I think at this point you need to solidify that bench to have two players that you can sub in on at, at an emergency situation, and the rest should be the handcuffs. Like, because even essentially the way I'm looking at it is, like, your experiments are over. Like, I, if you were waiting for a player to finally break out, and I'm looking at a guy like, Cam Akers is actually an interesting, an interesting play. Maybe we can talk about that in a little bit. But, like, a guy that you've just been waiting on and it's just not happening, and it could just be, like, a more of, like, a wide receiver. Like, a, how about, like, a, like, Rieger for Philadelphia? Good example. You're not in a dynasty league, so you're not worried about that. And the Philadelphia Eagles offense is in shambles right now, and Jalen Rieger isn't getting enough targets. And now he's a guy where you held on, hoping the rookie would break out, and he hasn't. Drop him for a handcuff. And that would be my advice to a lot of people. Love it. Great question. I think the toughest part about this, I totally love what you guys are saying. 
But this is the hardest year to do what you just said, Chet, because what I usually would say is do what you just said when the bye weeks are over. Right. Because basically you stack the team with your backups. And, of course, you're still playing matchups. And if a backup doesn't have good matchups, see what's left on the waivers. And at that point in some leagues, some people aren't as active because they're just out of it. But this year it's harder because they're still bye weeks in week 13. Right. 100%. Keep going, Kyle. Um, so number two is a little bit of a long shot. He's going to be a flex play going into this year, but I think kind of to that point, he might be one of those one or two guys that you have in there for an emergency. Cam Akers has come alive a little bit, Woo! and we've had a conversation that he is the best running back in L.A. He's only owned 29%. Um, he had a beautifully a beautiful run, I think 60-something yards, um, and it was, it was block perfection. But that's what the Rams do is they run the ball and they run the ball well. So if L.A. especially uses him more, he's going to be doing a lot of good things. And if I'm not mistaken, he was on the field for his highest – snaps last week i thought i saw that um somewhere I would, so I, would be, I wouldn't be surprised he, yeah it keeps on going up someone who's had has him on two of my three teams for the entire year i was hoping he was going to be my rb2 how mm-hmm. dumb do i look i and i compare it i talk about this with you guys i compare it to the lion situation where it's clear to us as fans at home watching on couches with beers in our hand that deandre swift's the best running back in detroit and it's not that close I think it's a little closer in L.A. where Daryl Henderson's had some good games. Malcolm Brown, I love the way he runs. He's just like a bulldoze. I'm, I'm, I'm going to fall forward for a minimum of three yards, no matter what. I might get five if I'm lucky. But, like, Cam Akers is clearly the most athletic, most explosive running back for that team. It's just, for me, especially because this is winner go home time, I need to see it one more game. And I would actually consider rolling with him in a playoff game. If I see it for one more game where his percentage goes up or he's on the field in crunch time, he's getting goal line looks, I'd consider it. But I still think we need to see a little more consistency. This was his best game. He looked great. Let me see one more week because easily this week, it could go back to more of a split between Henderson and uh, Malcolm Brown. And the last one, I don't have any wide receivers unless a lot of people could make a case for Alan Lazard. He's coming back from that core injury. He got popped. I don't love Lazard. And it's the Devontae Adams, that fact, the dude getting 15 targets a game. I don't trust anybody outside of Devontae Adams on that offense. It's a quarterback. It's going to sound really bad because he came from Michigan State. I love the way Kirk Cousins has played. Nope, nobody else. Kirk Cousins has played great. His last four games, 20 against Detroit, 17 and a half against Chicago, 23-26. He's got Jacksonville, Tampa Bay, Chicago, New Orleans coming up for championship time. All teams he's going to have to throw the ball in order to get it open. Um, Dalvin Cook out of the backfield has made explosive plays on the screen passes. Dude, Kirk Cousins might be that guy if you had a Joe Burrow go down, if you lost Danny Dimes, if you've lost somebody in that mix where we were talking about you have to get that backup quarterback and you're riding with like a Tom Brady who's like, all over the map sometimes or something like that, go after Kirk Cousins, especially these matchups that he's got coming up where he's going to have to throw the ball. He's a good guy to have on your bench ready to go to play a matchup. And, hey, Big Ben might be a good option if he's getting COVID or whatever this whole thing's going on. Who knows? Give me Kirk Cousins in some leagues. Actually love love his remaining schedule for playoff time. I actually am a huge fan of that call because – Me too. Love it as well. We just went through all of those quarterbacks who are now missing. We don't know how long Lamar is going to be out. 
you might have lost Drew Brees. You might have lost Danny Dimes. Like, he's, he's one of those guys where you see him on the waiver and he's projected at, like, 15. And you're like, ugh, I can't get Kirk. I, can't, I don't want 15. I want 20. And then he goes out and he puts up 26 points this past week without Adam Thielen. So Dalvin has come back to earth a little bit. Obviously, that's a run-first team, right? And one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in the game right now in Dalvin Cook. And he got a little banged up. He didn't have his most productive game. And Cousins was able to step up. So I think as an OC, you're looking at that and you're thinking, okay, let's let Kirk sling it a little bit. Let's not be one-dimensional. Let's not get in games where we're having to you know, play from behind or you know, run it all the time. So I'm actually, I'm actually a huge fan of that call. Kirk Cousins has been pretty impressive recently. Side note that I just got an alert from, looks like two more Ravens players tested yeah. positive. Your, oh, is, and, your, is your alert your cousin? Yes. <laughs> okay. I was and, <laughs> and, uh, and they practiced with the team two days ago. But yeah, I did see that. I did see the end of that update was that it wasn't a surprise. So I wonder if it was maybe it was a practice squad guy or someone who wasn't around. I don't know. But they all practice together. I don't know. Well, yeah. Yeah. In other words, one source. This is from Schefter. Not unexpected and not a concern for the game. So it must be something. It must be something where the guys weren't around the team. I don't know. Maybe they're already in quarantine because of close contact. Yeah, I know. we're all speculating at this point at eight o'clock on a Tuesday night, but hopefully that game is played and we don't have to do all those as a commission. I do not want to have to sub in players and sub out players and all that junk. Um, now for oh, we're up to real mirage. I almost, I almost we are the name game. Look at God's ready to go with his real or mirage. Take it away. Not, not only am I ready, I think these are my three favorite ones I've had the entire Ooh. year. Hyping it up. I like it. First one here. Two of them are more about the league. I think they're all more less about players and more about fantasy football in general. Real Mirage, the best fantasy football week of the year is week 13. Yes. I mean, real. <laughs> yes, real. It is a real thing. And the reason I think it's real is there's still hope. There's still hope. No matter the size of your league, it's it's – probably about to get cut in half after week 13 where the leagues might not care. And I, and I have some leagues where there's like potentials for four-way ties and it's going to come down to point totals. And you're not only going to be looking at your matchup, but how's your buddy, how many points is he putting up? Cause he got outscore him by 10. Like it, it, it's similar to, I think the, the NFL where sure the playoffs are fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but how much do we all enjoy the chaos of tiebreaker scenarios and, you do the generator game of if this team wins and then that team wins and there's a tie here, the Raiders are in. Like, that's so fun to me because I like the chaos. I like checking in on everything where it, if, if you get eliminated, it's, it's over for you. It, like, it just starts diminishing and who cares, especially from fantasy where six teams care, four teams care, two teams care, right? Where in week 13, 10 of those teams might still be you know, hoping for a prayer that they get into the dance. I'm, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate because as this year ticks on for me, I've had great teams, and now some of my teams are kind of going down, like down the garbage. I'll go Mirage because week one is my most exciting time of the year. You, like the how many times do we say we hate fantasy? God damn it, fantasy. We hate it. 
But week one, you never say it because you're so excited to be back. Hook it on your management skills. No, see, I love week one. I'm the other way. Where after the opening kickoff, I already say my team sucks. <laughs> I, open, I open my app at 110, and I'm like, I, I messed up. Why did I not draft the kick returner for the Bengals? I'm an <laughs> idiot. So that's how I usually am at, at opening kickoffs. What two great answers? Because if this was the old school who wants to be a millionaire game, it would have been 50-50 for week one or week 13. Yeah. Those are exactly my two answers I wanted to go with. I'm going to take real, though, just because of what Shed said, the possibilities and scenarios. I enjoy that stuff. Other people in your league might hate it, and they're just stressing and rolling on the floor trying to drop. Like, it's too much chaos for some people. Week one, I think, is more fun. Week 13 is the most stressful week. So, you know, depending on who you are probably answers that question. All right, second one, Real Mirage. The most impressive thing you can do in fantasy football is win a regular season title. I think you had this one last year. And I, I did. Let's see if you guys' opinions yeah. change. I, I don't want to be a flip-flopper like all the guys that I usually complain about who do these things. So say, say the question again. Real Mirage, the most impressive thing you can do in a fantasy football season is win a regular season championship. I, I think that's real. Football. Yes, and I think I said real last year. Check the tape. Yes, because it's less fluky. Um, if you win a regular season title, you have the most consistent team. Usually, sometimes there's, you just get so lucky with your matchups and you're like middle of the pack for points four, but somehow you're 12-1. and one. But I still think that's more impressive. It's long-term. It's, it's three months. You do, you do most of your moves. Your trade deadline is passed if you're active as a, as a manager. So I think that the long haul is more impressive to me than sometimes you get two lucky weeks where a team goes off and you win a championship. I agree. You have to manage for months. If you're, if you're finished a regular season 10-1, and 9-2, something along those lines, like, you're having a darn – obviously there would be more wins, I'm just thinking right now, but you're, you did a great job of managing your team. You set yourself up for success. So at that point, what more could you have done to set yourself up for a championship? So I will say, though, as a caveat to that, is obviously I'd rather win a fantasy championship than a regular season title. So of I course. Like to throw that out there. Like, even though it might be more impressive, no one gives a shit if you won the regular season championship. It's all about who won in the, in the fantasy championship. You're not getting your name on any of the plaques that we have. It's all about winning the final game. And to add to that, by the way, the most heartbreaking loss you could have in a fantasy football playoff could be being the top seed and get knocked off. Yeah. Like that would probably hurt more than anything because you're just going to yell for yourself how great your team is and like I should have got robbed, blah, blah, blah. So I agree with you guys on that one. Last one here, Real Mirage. On a weekly basis, and especially in week 13, people are going to feel this more than ever before. The position you kick yourself over the most about making a mistake in is wide receiver. And I guess to clarify that one a little bit, you know, if I started this guy over that guy, I would have – if you guys got to go where I'm going here. The position you're going to kick yourself the most over is a wide receiver starter sit, Real or Mirage. How about you go first? I'm going to go Mirage. And the only reason I said it is because the position I kick myself. I feel like I have my running backs and I have my wide receivers every week that I almost know what I'm going to start. My flex destroys me. I think Chet just got really upset because he thought we were going to both say defense. Defense! Uh, <laughs> that is the one that will kill me. That will kill me. 
my flex irritates me so much because that's the one position in, during the week I say, all right, I'm starting this running back and this running back. I have this running back in my flex, but I also have this wide receiver on the bench because my three wide receivers are solidified. And then on Thursday, I switch my wide receiver for my running back. Then I switch a different running back for the wide receiver. The flex kills me. I hate the flex because I can't decide, and that's kind of where my depth portion, Chet, I hate because I get so so spun up on which one I want, and then as soon as uh, a player outscores the one in my flex and it costs me, I'm going to be so mad at myself for not starting that guy after I said 10 times I'm going to start him. Yep. You just got to be better at making your calls, Kyle. And then I'm going to say, I'm going to say Mirage as well, because I already kind of hinted at it. I already said it. Defense is what, um, it can be make or break. You know, you get that defense, you think it's a good matchup and somehow you get negative points and your opponent gets an interception return for a touchdown that you could have picked up. Yeah. No, give me defense is the one that kicks me the most at this point. Like, it, it depends on your situation, but I, I think the tinkering is over. Like, at this point, you know. Like, these are my guys. If they've gotten me to this point, I'm not benching them at this point. Like, I'm sticking with my guys. So, yeah, it's the defense where unless you have one of those top – especially this year. There's only – how many defenses are set them and lock them this year? Colts? No, not a lot. And the Colts put up negative last week. And there you go. So, you're not even guaranteed that. And so, it all becomes down to streaming your waiver priority. And you could be stuck with like the 14th best defense projection. And it's like a flip of the coin if you're going to actually have a good week or not. So that's the one that kills me. Let, let me ask you this real quick before we move on. Yeah. This year, defenses that are good are on bad teams. How often does that play into your mind of going, this is a bad team, but their defense is good. Do I start them? I don't know. I do it all the time with because the Giants and Washington are one of the top uh, defenses in fantasy football right now. And – I hate starting them because they're a bad team. No, that's a great point. It's a great yeah. point. Sometimes they can work in your favor where if you have a good defense, like like the Giants, they're almost always stuck in low-scoring games where the opposing offense isn't going to have to put up 30 to win. That makes sense. Like you're, you're going to get in these low-scoring low scoring affairs, which obviously helps your, your defense. So, yeah, I can, see, I can see it on both sides for sure. I always fight between kicker, defense, wide receiver. Like, the wide receiver, I think the kicker and defense, I get it. Like, like a kicker, you might not get a lot of points differential between someone who left on waivers on your roster. Defense, you're totally right, Chet, because it could be a huge margin between good defense and bad defense. I guess the wide receiver, why I always look at that spot is because sometimes a five- or seven-point difference in the playoffs yep. or this week is, oh, my God, if I – and like you just mentioned, like seeding too. If you put up an okay week in week 13 and you get jumped and all of a sudden you're like, oh, if I'd played this guy instead of that guy in the first round, if I'd start the wide, the answer is, the answer is defense, but wide receiver is the one that's going to drive people the most crazy for months to come. I guess I kind of hedged my answer there, but that's how I feel about it. Did you intentionally pull up your name, Seymour Butts, when you said butt? <laughs> I don't know how you did that. See that trick there, the illusion I pulled off? Literally when you said, but your name, which guys put today as Seymour Butts. Uh, yeah, Pop Fred, was, it was perfect. Well done. And people are never going to see that because this is a podcast and they can't see our Zoom, which is probably a good thing. I also, I also, I was naked. What? I also love when they do the, <laughs> wow, that I just heard what you said. Um, <laughs> I also love how they do the, uh, this kicker is going up against the best matchup. Get out of here. They are like, 
Yeah, like a really good match up. Yeah, come on. Um, one, I'm going to throw in a real mirage. Are you done, guys? Was was that the final? I am. That was it. I only had three big ones this week. Okay, so I have one. And I'm really curious to get your guys' take on this. Real or mirage? It is. Ooh, so I, I got to be careful how I phrase this. Ooh. Real or mirage? Is it okay for a fantasy football team? to purposely lose in week 13 to change their seating. Real. I'm, I'm, I actually, depending on how tomorrow goes, will be looking to do that in my other league this year because the difference right now between the matchup that I would get playing the second or the fourth seed versus the third seed is huge this year in one of the leagues. Like, I have want no business with the third seed, actually. I'd much rather want the second seed. Ah, this is tough because here's – I feel like it's real because your job as the fantasy football manager is to benefit yourself at all costs for lineups and matchups. I guess the only issue I have on that is in that matchup, if you're playing a team who's going to benefit from getting into the playoffs. Right. Because that could realistically happen. Let's say if you're – like you're talking about, you're such a good team. You could face that same team next week and cost yourself. You're going to have to face anybody in the first round, potentially, unless you're in bye leagues. I'm going to go with real because your job is to put yourself in the best position to win whatever, trophy, cash, bragging rights. So you know what? I'm going to go with real. It just feels a little eh, if the team clinches a berth in the playoffs because of it. You could certainly upset a lot of your friends. Like yep. if you're in a pivotal game where there is a fringe team who has to win and you give them a win – you're going to upset a lot of people. But like you guys said, it's, I mean, this is different than pro sports. Like we would never tell a team to purposely – imagine if a team purposely lost week 17, even though some teams – it's very common practice to bench your starters in week 17. It's, it's kind of no different, right? It's like, okay, we have the first round by or we have the number one seed. We don't want to risk getting injured. We don't need this. We'd rather just, you know, look ahead and set us up, up for the, a better playoff run. So it's kind of the same idea. So, yeah, you might upset some people, but I am, I am completely for it. If, if you know, if you've done the math and you've looked at it and you have points, you're not worried about that, you walk, make sure you don't, like, you know, blow it up in your face where, oh, I, I got this. I got, I'm up by 80 points. So I can just blow it. And then you somehow, someone catches you and you get kicked out and everyone will laugh in your face. So make sure you're doing it smart, but I'm for it, man. You got to find creative ways to make sure you, you have the good matchups. Okay. Final part of this installment of Week 13, What the Fantasy Podcasts. Of course, it's the name game. Kyle already knows who I'm doing because I just had like an epiphany. I was like, I think I've already done this name. And I had to make sure, so I texted Kyle, did I already do this name game? For the one, the only, the phenomenal one, A.J. Brown. Do you already know his name, guys? I do not. Unless Woo, it's, Kyle, I, do you I know his name? Is it nope. not Andrew Cannell? Is that not it? He's oh, he is AJ now. Yeah, Andrew Jacobs. No, it is not. <laughs> I was like, so you know, you know, is Andrew Cannell? I know it's AJ. That's right. It's funny because in college, AJ Cannell, who's the voice of the Siena Saints, was just Andrew, but we called him AK because it's Andrew Cannell, and some people right. call him AK forty-seven. Uh, it's a little dark, I guess, but <laughs> so AJ, AK, I was getting a little thrown off, but yes, no, not him. So AJ Brown, who by the way, has just been, he is 
arguably, the phenomenal one. He's arguably the most exciting player. Tyreek's there. Metcalf, I don't think is as exciting because usually he is just like it's a. It depends on what you like to see. DK is the the bomb. It's a great throw. It's a 40, 50 yard pass, and and DK makes a great catch. Great to see. But AJ Brown is the. I'm gonna catch a five yard in and take it 70 yards to the house, blowing by everyone. So fun to watch. He's done it so consistently, and it's such an inconsistent play to see. He's done it so consistent. Um, okay, so for the name game. Is A.J. Brown's real name Arthur Juan Brown, Artemis Jericho Brown, Anthony Jamaica Brown, or Antoine Javier Brown? Ooh, I have some stumped faces. What was number two? Artemis Jericho Brown. I'm going to go B. I actually was going to do exactly what Kyle just said and ask for you to repeat B. I, I was going to say B, too. Incorrect. Yeah! Is it, is it D? I am so good at making fake names, baby. The D? I, I, should, I should have put in option D as the phenomenal one. It's just his birth name. <laughs> but, it, but it is not. What's your second guess, Kyle? It's not D, then. Dang. You said Antoine Javier Brown? Also it's- incorrect. Do you guys even remember the other names? No. It was I, I wouldn't – no. Action I felt so good about A, B. Arthur Juan Brown. Oh, It actually makes sense now. Maybe you've seen this on Twitter. I didn't understand why they call him Obi-Wan Kenobi. And they give him the, like, the Jedi thing. You haven't seen this picture yet? So I'll have to send it to you guys uh, after this podcast. But I, I kept seeing it pop up, and I'm like, is it because he has the force? Is he is – he, he's magic? What is what does this mean? No, it's because his middle name is Juan. So Obi-Wan Kenobi. A little bit of a stretch there. But, yeah, Arthur Juan Brown, a.k.a. the phenomenal one, a.k.a. A.J. Brown. Of these we've done so far, isn't that the one that's the coolest that's switched? Like yes. A.J. Brown sounds really cool. Arthur Juan does not sound cool. It is like Juju Smith-Schuster, who is, by the way, don't use this one because his name is John Smith. Juju Smith-Schuster is way better than John Smith. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I do love DK because it's, it's so unique. Like, you don't, I, how many DKs do you know? Zero, except for the one in the NFL. Um, so what was his again? Decarious? Yes. Decarious, yeah. yeah. Which, yeah, DK is just way better. But I agree with you. AJ Brown. Well job, well done becoming an NFL superstar with that name because uh, it's going to take you very far. That is it for this edition of What the Fantasy Podcast. Do you boys have anything else to add? Kyle, what's the score of the Michigan State game? 37-33 at the half. Go green. Woo, go white. What about you guys? Anything else? Enjoy the holiday season. Enjoy your playoff stretch. Roll around on the floor and get stressed out over week 13. Woo! Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.